Yo, yo, check this out. Check this out. Previously heard. Previously heard. Good Hope FM. Let's go. This is Wellness Wednesday on The Morning Show. It is time for Wellness Wednesday on The Morning Show. And today we are talking about the issue of self-harm. Now, in 2021, UNICEF uh, report found that more than 65% of South African young people have had some form of mental health issue but did not seek help. And more than a quarter of respondents did not think their mental health problem was serious enough to seek support, while 20% did not know where to access help and 18% were afraid to ask um people what they would think. Today we're talking about the issue of self-harm, finding out what exactly constitutes self-harm and what triggers it. Our expert on the line, Dr. Terry Henderson, member of the South African Society of Psychiatrists. Dr. Terry, welcome to the show. So wonderful to be able to chat to you today. Are you well? Yes. Hi, welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. So, so good. It's quite alarming to think that self-harm is growing amongst teenagers. Can you uh, quickly just elaborate for us what constitutes self-harm? Yes, so um, basically to say that I think self-harm is, is quite a difficult concept to get your head around. If you work with adolescents on a regular basis, you're quite comfortable with it, but if you don't, um, it's quite a difficult, especially as a parent, I think it's a difficult topic to get your head around. But essentially self-harm is used by adolescents as a coping mechanism to manage overwhelming emotional distress uh, or states of, of emotional um, panic. Uh, cutting, so self-harm, um, the most common form of self-harm is cutting, and that is when teens will create superficial cuts on usually the inner side of the forearm using a blade or scissors. Um, and that would be the most form, most, most common form of self-harm. You'll also get something like, like burning or scratching and then sometimes using too much medication at one time. The, and people find it very hard to think, well, if you're, if you're battling, why do you hurt yourself? Yeah. Um, but teens through this act of, of self-harm, even though it sounds quite, quite horrendous, but they, they do experience a release of tension um, and a release of anger and anxiety. Some, some teens do it in order to, with their emotional distress, sometimes can feel extremely numb. So the cutting allows them to actually feel something. And then for other teams, the visual image uh, created by this act allows them to say that this is a tangible representation of how awful I'm feeling inside. So there's definitely um, uh, emotional gain that comes Mm. from it. It's not not a healthy coping mechanism, but it is something that that teams do use. and we see its onset is related very much to puberty, so from about age 12. Yeah. And then as adolescents get older and move into adulthood, the rates of self-harm decrease dramatically. So it's very much an adolescent, uh, typical to adolescents. My question was going to be next, why teens use self-harm to cope? But I think you did kind of uh, touch on that uh, a little bit, Doctor. Uh, what are some of the signs to look out for, um, you know, uh, before something like that begins? Because naturally, if they are cutting or if they are self-harming, you'd be able to see the visual signs on their body, like you said, the inside of the, the arm and things like that. But what are some other mm. signs that parents and, you know, maybe uh, adult, uh, other adults or guardians can look out for? 
Okay, so let's let's first talk about um, so self harm is never going to happen in isolation and yeah. happens in the setting of emotional distress and perhaps mental health illness. So let's first talk talk a little bit about what parents would see in terms of mental health distress first before we talk about self harm specifically. So teens who are battling emotionally, um, what you will see is that they are less able to function or interact with their normal life engagement. Mm-hmm. So teens are battling tend to withdraw quite a bit. Um, they interact uh, less. They spend a lot of time with their, on their own, perhaps in their rooms, a lot of time isolating. And they stop engaging with their other commitments, so less involvement with school or, or falling school grades, um, less interaction with friends, withdrawing from extramurals, and, and generally loss of interest in, in other things. So those, and, and then also lack of personal self-care, so for example, just your basic showering, those sorts of things start falling behind. Uh, teens who suddenly have quite a disruptive uh, change in their sleep pattern, or, or appetite in terms of the way they're eating. So those are sort of general clues that, that this team may be moving into a, a difficult space from a mental health point of view. Now, teens who are self-harming will do their utmost to, to hide it um, for various reasons, because they are very ashamed of what's happening. Yeah. Um, they're very frightened of how people will react, particularly mm-hmm. parents and other adults and their friends as well. Um, so often they'll... The cuts will be hidden mostly. Yeah. Um, so teens will wear long sleeves even if it's really hot. Um, and so that nobody has a really sense of what's going on. And also sometimes teens will cut in areas that aren't visible at all. So for example, on, on the inner side of the thighs or all part of the sort of abdomen. But, so parents may visualize it perhaps when a sleeve lifts up or it's being touched on the forearm, creates some pain. That's when parents may first see this. Um, and then, look, this is a difficult part for the parents. Of course, your natural response is, my goodness, what is this and why is this yeah. happening? Yeah. Um, and I think having an understanding about it would perhaps help the parents' reaction. Um, and then in terms of what to do once yes. you've seen that is, is to realize that what you're seeing is... Um, very much a physical cry for help. Mm-hmm. So it's a very physical way of showing someone I really need help because I'm really not managing with what I'm experiencing. Um, and and the, so the particular advice to parents is you can make feel quite shocked by what you see. That what we don't want you to just do is respond very negatively and say, why are you doing this? Stop doing this. You should not be doing this. Get over it. Um, that message, what you see, in terms of self-harm, is a big cry for help. Yeah. Um, and then as a parent, you need to recognize that uh, we don't necessarily want you to run in and fix everything. Um, as when you're a parent of a teenager, you can no longer run in and fix things. You can do that with children, but not with yeah. teens. Yeah. But it would be to support their needs to get um, supportive counseling of some kind and to get an intervention of some kind. And talking so about, the, yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, you were saying, talking about support, intervention and treatment for any parent that's listening right now who maybe has identified uh, these uh, signs and, uh, you know, within their own children or children that they know of, who can they contact? Who can they reach out to? Okay, so if, for example, self-harm has been short-lived, so let's say we have one or two episodes, 
and, and your team is still reasonably functional, then it would be fine for a GP to do a mental health assessment on that team and then to have one or two counselling sessions um, there with a counsellor. And if you contact SADAG, S-A-D-A-G, that's the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, they can help quite a bit in terms of recommending um, sources of counselling support. If the self-harm has been going on for quite a lot longer and is in the setting of quite a lot of other mental health issues like depression and anxiety or, or trauma-related issues, that is going to need uh, a greater level of intervention. So a more thorough psychiatric assessment and then possibly the involvement of a psychologist and maybe a psychiatrist as well. Doctor, um, yes. But I think what parents will probably need to do is just get an initial assessment of um, where is this team in terms of the self-harm and their other mental health features. The GP should be able to do that mm. and then to take it from there. Beautiful. Dr. Terry, thank you so much. This is such a, a, a heavy topic, but a very important one. I would really love to get you online again uh, very, very yes. soon so that we can just uh, kind of delve in um, even more because I, I have had experience of some teens that have used self-harm. And this is very, very important mm. for me to see so that yes. I can help their parents and assist them uh, with support on what they need to do and who they need to call. But yes. we do appreciate you and hopefully we can catch up again very, of very course. soon. But I mean, that's a vital point you say. When yeah. you have education, you have a better idea of what to do. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so okay. much, Dr. Terry Henderson, who is a member of the South African Society for Psychiatrists. Uh, we were talking about self-harm and how it is growing amongst South African teens. If you know of anyone that is self-harming and you want to provide some support uh, and you also maybe want to, uh, if you are a parent, you can contact the South African Anxiety and Depression Group on 0800-567-567 to speak to a counsellor if you are worried about your teen. Feel it for more, for more. Tune in to goodhopfm.co.za. It's all you need.